0: Welcome to today's episode of This Much We Know. My name is Murphy Hopkins Hubbard and I'm joined today by my co-host, Simon Pickering. This Much We Know is a podcast all about building social enterprise. We hope to share with you the good, the bad and the ugly. All of our learning and failures on developing impactful social enterprise, providing employment and training for those in need. We will be sharing with you a range of challenges, how to overcome them, And we're joined in each episode by a social entrepreneur sharing their stories successes and favorite facepalm moments
1: in today's episode we're really pleased to be joined by alice moxley founder of make pivot year here fellow and homeless link member her social enterprise works with young people living in hostels let's find out more
2: well my background's in architecture And so that's kind of my background in design comes from that. And I got very disillusioned with what I was doing and really, I suppose, wanted to work in the social sector, but had no idea how to, um, how to kind of move across. I suppose you learn lots of things as an architect, but you're not really sure how they apply to anything else. So I quit my job, finished my master's and I left the UK and I moved abroad for six months and lived in Armenia And when I was there, I discovered Year Here, which is a year-long program in social enterprise. So I then moved back from Armenia and did Year Here. Basically, half of it you spend on frontline placement. And my frontline placement was at Fat Macy's, which is a catering social enterprise. And you've interviewed Meg, I think, who's the founder and a good friend of mine now. My job with her was basically, I was working in the hostel and my job was to support the trainees that were on the Fat Macy's program. Whilst they're on that program, they need to get into work and they're kind of encouraged to gradually get into some kind of employment. So by the end, when they get their deposit, they can live independently. I was finding that a lot of opportunities available to them were outside of the hostel. They were finding that on very low income, traveling to work was super expensive. You know, like a £1.50 bus journey might be nothing to us, but it's extortionate if you've got an income of £300 a month and half of that's going on service charge in the hostel. They were restricted by their meal time. So you have breakfast at eight and you have dinner at five. So you need a job really that's within those hours because you don't have access to your own kitchen. And so there's kind of all these barriers that are stacked up against people that are stopping you from just being able to get any kind of employment. And I suppose also just depression is really rife in temporary accommodation. People get very bored and I think it leads to a lot of mental health problems. And so the kind of question that I posed was is there a way that I can bring work directly to people thereby removing a lot of those barriers and so you can kind of start to get people into a working mindset without them having to actually move out of the hostel or leave the hostel to go into work so jewellery was a really obvious thing to do I don't know why but it was I used to design and make jewellery myself. I still do a little bit when I'm not working, but because of my background in architecture, the way I wanted to make it was to create a kind of prefabricated system. So the jewellery we make is all designed so it can be made domestically. So it doesn't need fire, which is how you would, you know, you usually put a ring together with solder. So the jewellery we make is all these kind of composite parts which then the maker will sand and finish by hand and they can do that in their bedroom and then they'll assemble it either with rivets or with other types of connections but essentially it means that they can do it in their bedroom and that has had a huge kind of number of unintended
1: good consequences really. So you've touched upon sort of the people that you're aiming to work with or you do work with um in terms of work living within hostels and in that environment and, and you touched on depression being one of the big issues often linked with boredom and and you know living in that environment yeah. um, are there other issues that they sort of encounter that are important to the work that you do
2: yeah i'd say like kind of financial insecurity if if that's a good term to use the universal credit system in the hostel environment means that their housing benefit gets paid directly to the hostel. And then they'll get, I think it's £322 a month for someone over the age of 25. But the hostel then charges £125 a month. So they end up with very little income. And I think that it creates a cycle where people can't save money. And I think there's something quite powerful about having a bit of money in your pocket in terms of feeling secure that's actually part of what we do while people are on our program we pay for their service charge at the hostel to kind of try and alleviate some of that financial burden mm-hmm. say so like yeah major things is finance and mental health problems it's a 154 bed hostel one that i work out of that's a lot of people <laughs> living in confined conditions especially during covid where you know their canteen was shut so everyone was going to collect their food from the canteen and then they had to eat them in their bedrooms and it's just it's not a particularly nice environment to live in
3: no i I totally agree i think you know everyone who's listening to this can can relate in some way as well from the experience that everyone's been in this year a really difficult time and for everyone particularly in those environments You mentioned earlier a little bit about Fat Macy's model in terms of working and then getting a house deposit at the end. How does the model work with Pivot?
2: It's still very much in its development and its infancy, I'd say. At the moment, so we are a changing beast. We've just run a 12-week programme from September through to December, which we actually managed to do about 80% of it, even though we were in lockdown, which is quite miraculous. So that program was, we'd take someone through from design all the way through to selling a piece of jewelry. And the idea is that over that period, you kind of gain lots of different skills. Obviously, you learn how to make jewelry, but you also learn how to do marketing, sales, lots of group work. We then also brought on a coach. So we were doing lots of one-to-one work. I think the idea is that we sit as an organization, we sit between someone's ability to get out of bed in the morning and someone's ability to go to the job center. And I think that there's an assumption within government perhaps that the unemployed should just go to the job center and get a job without any understanding that if you are in a situation where you've been constantly let down by society, you have very little money, you're suffering from depression and there's a lot going against you. I feel like it's, it's very naive to think that someone can just get out of bed and go to the job center. And I'd say that we sit in that place in between. So we are kind of a social lubricant to get someone out of bed in the morning. We're sort of not sure what we are beyond that, which is a nice place to be because it means that we can constantly reevaluate what it is we're doing and what the good is that we're doing.
1: So when did you start actually before I move on to my next question where did you start so
2: we incorporated 49 days before the UK went international lockdown 3rd of february we incorporated 2020
1: from everything that you've learned over the last year where would you say you were when you started out on a sort of scale of 1 to 10 confidence wise that, that make pivot was going to work out and and where where would you say you were now on a scale of 1 to 10
2: i think that the major shock for me when I started was that people wanted to buy the jewellery that <laughs> I, I designed and I was like, really? Then there's also the major shock that people actually wanted to make the stuff in the hostel. So I suppose there's like a number of moments along that pathway where you're like, really, really? <laughs> Are these things happening? So I suppose maybe not really that confident to begin with, I guess, three or four. I'd say now I'm on maybe five or six because things are going well and I think we're gaining traction but also it's very much startup world where we've got enough money in the bank to last us three months which is great but it's also you always have to remind yourself like I can do something else if this doesn't work and if it doesn't work then at least it's been a really enjoyable year and at least we've made a difference to some people's lives.
3: Really nice answer. It's nice to hear that you're sort of enjoying the steps as, as it goes. Funny that you've developed a model that's around sort of working from home at a time where <laughs> yeah. that's pretty pretty on the on the spot, isn't it?
2: I think that we've got to a point where working from home is definitely a privilege. And the people that Pivot is working with are not in a position of privilege, the exact opposite. So, yeah, I think it's quite ironic, isn't it?
3: It's interesting to see how people are working and how organisations are shifting anyway to this. Um, so yeah, real trendsetter. Hold on. <laughs> My next question is around sort of conversations. I know you've you know worked the year here groups, having met lots of people with similar mindsets anyway, um, but also coming into the sector quite new from your background. Is there any particular conversations that you've had, at early conception stage or now even, that you feel have been really? Um, lack of a better word, pivotal in the development.
2: I actually really regret calling pivot pivot after the amount of pivoting that's been happening this year. There was a moment when I first was talking about this idea of making jewellery with people in hostels. James Teasdale at Year Here said, I really like this idea of taking enterprise into hostels. It's really clever. And I thought, oh, is that what I'm doing? (laughs) Cool. So, yeah, I think also I have a lot of conversations with the makers. We just started employing one of our makers as a part-time member of staff. He's sort of a team leader. We've just started working with another hostel down in Taunton, and he's been doing training down there independently, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, big shout out to Jason if he listens to this. I talk to him a lot which is really useful because he's lived in the hostel and he's now not in there anymore. And he kind of bridges the two worlds. He is able to communicate with some of our makers in a way that I can't. And then he's able to communicate with me about their needs and why people are acting in a particular way or that's really insightful, really.
1: Brilliant. And then um, this is my, this is our favorite question. Over the last sort of year, then what's been your favorite face palm moment?
2: I was really like struggling to think about this today, but so after you finish the year here, you can do an incubator. And then um, you go to Crowdbacker where you have to stand up in front of 200 people and pitch for money. And we were in like NatWest headquarters. And right at the beginning, they said, we've turned off all the fire alarms this evening. We've made sure there's no practice fire alarm. So if the fire alarm goes off during this evening's pitch, it's a real fire and everyone needs to get out. And I stood up and presented and halfway through my pitch, the fire alarm went off. (laughs) But luckily it was a practice, but I sort of, the alarm went off and all the lights came on and the screens behind me turned off. So I was just standing there on my own with my hands in the air saying like, you know, so (laughs) it was really painful because I'd been practicing that pitch for like five days solidly. I'd rehearsed it probably 20 times to learn it word for word. And then when like something interrupts you like that, everyone who was there said it was brilliant because it made it really memorable. And I seemed to really relax afterwards. (laughs) So.
3: The added relaxation of a fire alarm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great story. Yeah, I can imagine disappointment after having worked really hard on that. Yeah. This is definitely my favourite question. We have the most odd stories that come out from this. So you've touched a little bit about the last year and confidence-wise. If you could go back to sort of Alice, 2nd of Feb 2020, is there any advice um, that you'd give yourself?
2: I think that obviously the pandemic's been really hard for everyone. And there's been moments of like, I can't do this because I'm so exhausted by not knowing what's happening. So I suppose it's that thing of like staying in, keeping there, living day by day, but also just really having a good attitude of risk-taking. So I suppose, you know, although we incorporated in February, we've been doing Pivot since the November before, and you really just have to be a bit, gung-ho and go in and say okay i'm just gonna try and see what happens and it's worked out so far
1: so what's the plan so we're a year in then for make pivot what's the sort of future plan leaving the pandemic to one side um lots yeah. some exciting projects coming up sort of what does the future look like for the social enterprise
2: so very excitingly we started a project in taunton with another project and we've sort of set them up as our own satellite project And so the ambition is to grow our organization that way, which means that we can really start to infiltrate hostels with this idea of making, which I think is really exciting. And then basically we're applying for a load of incubators and accelerators at the moment. I'd like to bring on another member of staff full time this year and also maybe look into some other products. Because I've always said that Pivot was piloting the idea with jewellery. So there's kind of lots of potential to think about other things that can be made, I think. So we'll see. We're writing our plan for the next year at the moment.
1: It's really good. I really like the um yeah, the, the idea that's working within hostels and you can do it on site. I think that's so yeah, I think that's really quite unique. Cause so often it's there's loads of opportunities for people outside of the hostels, but it's a bus ride away and it means going to a new place where you've not yeah. been. Um, and all of that stuff that we sort of take for granted. But when you're living in a hostel, yeah, doing that, making that sort of journey is quite more difficult, isn't it?
2: It's the same for anything, isn't it? It's like people say, when you want to exercise, you should just put it into your like everyday routine. Like you should run to work. And also, I think what's been really exciting is that it's creating loads of buzz in the hostel. So, when we kind of meet together and people are giving me made jewelry or I'm giving them metal or things like that, it's like there's a lot of people around saying, What are you doing? Like, I think it's good to bring like positive things into the hostel, actually.
3: And is there any other organizations that you've seen, you know, through your networks? they are doing similar things or different within the social enterprise space and homelessness that you'd like to, you know, excited to see where it goes?
2: Yeah, well, I guess, obviously, Fat Macy's. I actually spoke to Meg this morning for like half an hour, so that was nice having a catch-up. I think it's really amazing to see how far they've got in the last year, and I think they had an amazing Christmas as well. They seem to have sold sold a lot of hampers. And I think also Year Here is an incredible organisation – so many great ventures coming out of it so many good ideas it's a lovely network of humans so
3: yeah no it's nice i keep hearing people from Year here actually speaking to someone later today funnily enough brilliant idea i love the things that come out of it there's always you know really exciting things and new ways of doing things
1: and i like the fact what we've got is a whole load of social enterprises that aren't sort of what people might expect out of year here they yeah you be generating a sort of cohort of of social enterprises that are doing different stuff yeah Um, but it's grounded in like a year long experience of working in the system within the hostels or whatever environment
2: yeah and also I think it's like now creating this like really nice cyclical thing where I did my placement for Fat Macy's I've got a fellow at the moment doing a placement with me (laughs) I think like four of the placement providers at the moment are Year Here Ventures so like we're all kind of feeding back in and to then, to get like frontline experience with a startup, with a social enterprise is just like, yeah, amazing, really. It was for me anyway.
3: Was homelessness an area that you were interested in ahead of sort of your placement with that Macy's? Was that the sector that you were looking to go into?
2: Yeah, definitely. I suppose like the background in architecture there's that kind of like interest in shelter, mm-hmm. the fundamentals of what architecture is I think growing up in London you see a lot of it I've never been so happy in my life doing what I do because I feel for me like I get to work with people I get to be creative I get to have some kind of purpose and I don't go around to patting myself on the back thinking like I'm changing lives but I do feel that what I do is just really enjoyable I just feel really lucky to be honest I feel so lucky that it's worked so far. Keep saying so far.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's lovely, and I think you should be patting yourself on the back. You know, it's it's organisations like this that inspires other people to do things. It's what this this podcast is about as well. You know, sharing, learning from mistakes, and bringing the humanness of these ventures to light. Um, Because it can be lonely as well. You know, setting up something on your own, and like you said, looking at other organisations who are hiring wouldn't it be easier to just sort of join join the matters rather than go out on your own but yeah it paves the way for other people to do things and it's it's amazing what you guys are doing
1: it's been really good i've been really impressed with all the guests that have just been so open to share about what they've learned and what they didn't get right because it would be so easy wouldn't it for people just to be really sort of polished with their answers and and say everything was really easy and I like the fact we've had a whole, a whole host of guests who have all sort of been really honest about the whole thing. So I think it's really, it's good.
2: You're, so, I think you are taught though, as an entrepreneur, though I hate that term. You're like taught to embrace failure, right?
1: Mm.
3: Mm. I think from an entrepreneur side, yes. From a charity perspective, often no. Yeah. Um, you know, grants, for example. You, know, you don't even say. We try, sorry. <laughs> so it's interesting. You also mentioned the term gun-ho, um, you know, just going going for it, even though there's, there's going to be risks. Yeah. And that's been something we've had a few times mentioned. You can only wait for so long.
2: Meg is a very good example of that, actually. Meg's really good at saying yes to opportunities and then working out how to do it afterwards. I try and, like, have the same energy.
1: I think for any startup enterprise, I think you can be sometimes some people are like well i've got a business plan and everything if it's not in my business plan i'm not engaging in it and sometimes you do have to say yes in order to get get something moving or in order to meet some other people that help you along with that business plan um, yeah so i yeah i'm i agree with you it's very much sort of yeah say yes to opportunities because you don't know where they're going to lead and who they'll put you in front of um yeah and I think that's okay as well i think you know knowing that it might not work out, but it also could work out really well is is a risk worth taking when you're first sort of starting out. But
2: uh, even when things don't work out you still learn things.
1: Yeah.
3: Great stories for face palm moments. So it all yeah, it all swings and
2: roundabouts. <laughs> I, it's really funny because I'm like now looking at the business plan that we wrote last March that I pitched to the Shackleton Foundation and they said, we'd love you to be a Shackleton leader, but you keep saying that you don't know the answer to our questions. So go away and write a business plan. So I went away and wrote a business plan and I honestly haven't looked at it since last March and I'm now reading through it and I'm like, oh, we we managed to do that. Oh, it said we needed £15,000 of Funding to cover a deficit oh that's exactly how much we needed and like yeah
3: just ahead of um letting you go if you could just share your twitter handle and website for anyone looking to purchase some jewelry to check out what you guys are doing
2: we're at make pivot both for instagram and twitter and our website is makepivot.org and it would have been pivot.org but i think it was eighty thousand pounds <laughs>
1: Thanks to Alice for joining us today on This Much We Know. Next episode, we're joined by Rachel Newell, social entrepreneur and founder of Overstream Clean in Cambridge.
0: So please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at This Much underscore we know. Also, a big thanks to Neil Whiteside at Freedom One for the production. Until next time, from Simon and me, thank you for listening and goodbye.